This is part of the learning to walk a mile in someone else's moccasins, which is a real challenge for us since we are used to thinking and seeing the world from our own perspective. It's obviously a major issue for us when we consider how to share Yeshua with people in the Jewish community, but the same principles obviously apply to everybody. And so tonight we're going to be looking at sharing uh, with a pagan community, the people who are ranked pagans, which frankly describes a lot of our society today. So let's start with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the joy you give us to be your representatives in this dark, darkened world, Lord God. And uh, we thank you that where sin abounds, grace uh, is even more abundant, your grace. And so, Lord, we pray for each of us to to be given uh, ears to hear what it is you want to say to us. And we pray for Rabbi David, uh, for the necessary empowering of your Ruach, for him, him to communicate what it is you have for us, for us to hear. And we ask that in all things you will receive honor and glory. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. Equally difficult to walking in someone's moccasins is spelling moccasins. I don't know if you know how to spell moccasins. I don't know, did I get one S on your sheet? I can't remember. I, I misspelled. That's only because of spell check, so it's, um, it's a tough word to spell, moccasins. <laughs> so does everyone have notes? Does anyone, I came over, anyone, I think everyone here has them, so they're on the table back there for folks that come in. Um, as Chaim said, this is this is we've been doing this for a couple weeks. We've been doing this, and last week um, we looked at <coughs> Acts chapter 13, and that was with uh, Paul in a synagogue at uh, city of Antioch. <clears throat> and as as was mentioned last week, and we see again here as we go on in the in the text of Acts, is that um, the synagogue worship or the presence of, of, of Paul. And the disciples in synagogues was not um, necessarily a strategic thing. Often, I think it's taught that way that this is the strategy, and we have to have a, we have to have a strategy, um, and uh, that's why they went to the synagogues because that was their their strategic place. These were people that knew the word of God and so forth. And the answer to that really is um, it's not even a yes and no. It's really more of a no. Um, they, they were at the synagogue because, and the text even specifically says this multiple times, and you see it in the Gospels, that it was their custom. Um, it was who they were, and so they went to the synagogue. Um, and in, that, in light of that, I wanted to start, wanted to start off by reading um, something from 1 Corinthians 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So if you open up to 1 Corinthians 7, and uh, I want to read verses 17 through 24. And uh, we took a vote earlier, and Steve Cable will read uh, before you showed up, but you, you were voted in unanimously. Uh, for 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 through 24. So you read that aloud. Sure. Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, let him walk in this way. 
I give this rule in all of Messiah's communities. Was anyone called when he already had been circumcised? Let him not make himself uncircumcised. Has anyone been called while uncircumcised? Let him not allow himself to be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping God's commandment matters. Let each one remain in the calling in which he was called. Were you called as a slave? Don't let that bother you. But if indeed you can become free, make the most of the opportunity. For the one who was called in the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, the one who was called while free is Messiah's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brothers and sisters, let each one, in whatever way he was called, remain that way with God. So, I, I, I had, thank you, Steve. Um, I wanted to look at this because I think it's it's applicable. It, it, it ties in with that theme we're talking about, at least that we mentioned, that this idea that when we read um, in the scriptures that Paul was in the synagogue or they were in the synagogue, that this was their their, their way to do it. And we need to learn techniques. And as, as we said, we've said before, you know, uh, a shtick, things to things to do and say. You know, your little 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 uh, sayings that you have. And the truth is, that's not that's not the case. We're not talking when we talk about walking in someone's moccasins and we talk about relating the good news or whatever. It's not about learning a little dance routine and going, you know, to some strategic location for just that purpose. Um, <clears throat> it has to do with what I what I think we read here, which is coming in the in the the way in which you were called. And as who you are, they were going to the synagogue because that's who they were, and I think it's very instructive um, for us. Um, and I wanted to ask you just here, as you stop here for for just a moment, when when you when you hear this from First Corinthians here, what does that what does that mean? What do you think that means for you specifically, for even us as a community, um, in terms of of operating in the way in which you were called? Any thoughts on that? Does this scripture speak to you at all in this? Oh, yeah. Oh. That, that, you know, to be who you are, you know, when you were called, mm -hmm. were you a slave? Were you, you know, this way or that way? You don't necessarily have to change when you're called. Mm -hmm. You don't have to look to a new, you have a new identity in Christ, but it mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you have to have a new way of being. I'm still me. I'm still Pauline. I'm sure. still, God made me. A couple. Let's see, hands or someone eating over here. Kind of, kind of. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I um, it also means that we should accept other people where they are. Uh -huh. I mean, we we represent a messianic community, but that doesn't mean that they have to accept that. Hmm. They could, you know, just. 
question or your statement? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. No, yeah. Great. I think, you know, um, let me ask you this. Does it mean that, and we, we talk about change, does it, does it mean that we don't change at all? Um, does it mean that we don't improve ourselves or what have you? Because, you know, we're talking on the one hand about we don't need to, when we study outreach and things, on the one hand, we're not trying to come up with clever sayings and all this kind of stuff. On the other hand, we do want to improve. We do want to study. We do want to change in some respect. But I think at its core, we need to realize that each one of us is called a specific way. We're made a specific way, and that's why we're here, and that's why we wanted to learn learn about this stuff. So I think that that's kind of the point I want to get across. Any other thoughts on that? In the middle, it said, it said keeping God's commandments is, is what matters. Uh-huh. And you know, so if I'm not keeping God's commandment, that has to change. That's a good point. Yeah. But if, it, if God didn't command it, you know, then... I don't have to be a vegetarian. <laughs> it's a good thing we got some donuts over there. So you're, uh, I don't know what they're made with. You'll be good. So, so I, I wanted to, to start with that in, in 1 Corinthians 7, um, because also I think it relates to um, what we saw last week, relates in the sense where it's part of, uh, at the beginning of, of Acts 13, because primarily that was our text last week was in Acts 13. So if you want to flip back to um, Acts 13, this is what we looked at last week, and specifically um, verse verse 2, let see how this relates to what we just read in 1 Corinthians 7. <clears throat> so Acts 13, Acts 13 and verse 2 says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And this is something that was mentioned last week, but I want to reinforce it again because I think it's very important that we not overlook. Because any <clears throat> any of these examples you look at in Scripture of whether it's um, you know something Yeshua did in the synagogue, or whether it's something that Paul did in the synagogue or Barnabas or whatever. Um, we want to, on the one hand, yes, we'll look at what they said, what was the situation, what was the setting, what was the quote-unquote technique, for example, that we might be able to glean something from. But we never want to miss the fact that uh, the idea of being called and empowered and how that does need to be a primary understanding that we have, that, it, that whatever we do or whatever we study, it cannot be something that's just manufactured, um, but it must be something that's present, it being the idea of being called, and it being the idea that you're being empowered by the Spirit, you're being led by the Lord to do that. And I think that's sometimes uncomfortable because we have all the, we have, we have the tools, we have the techniques, we've, we've done the studying, we want to put it in action, and, and maybe we're like, you know, no better time than the present, maybe so, maybe not so, I don't know. Um, but do you think that that, or how does that look for us practically? That idea of being empowered and be, knowing that we're called by the by the Spirit to do this, how does that look practically for us in terms of outreach and, you know, 
quote-unquote, witnessing efforts. Any thoughts about that? How the idea of needing to be called and empowered, how that, how that looks. Do you ever think about that, or do you sort of just think about, okay, well, who, who's our target? What's the, what, where's this person coming from? What do I need to say? I mean, or do you mean, do you think, am I called to do this? Am I empowered? Or is there any struggle with that? Is there any any, any tension between, you know, um, feeling guilty because I should witness to this person, or I should try to talk about God here, versus is this the right time? Is it not the right time? Oh, that's just an excuse. I mean, any 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 of that resonate with you? Any thoughts thoughts on that? I think you have to be. Actually, Maurice, I think I heard Maurice first, but I'll go back to Joy, if you don't mind. Yes, please. It's just lines, actually, and I just want to make sure I know where they are. Well, you have to come on time for them, so. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I, it's on tape, also. Another thing you brought to Jordan? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Why are you talking about so loud? No, no. The, uh, we're, this, this, this was in Acts 13, but coupled with what was we read in 1 Corinthians 7, which you didn't hear, which is the scripture about um, coming in the condition that you're called. God called you, like if you were a slave, you come. Yeah. So, so that coupled with this idea of being empowered um, by the Spirit and being called for, that mm-hmm. these guys were called out for this particular purpose. That's where we are. I don't understand the question, your question. My question was, practically, in terms of outreach and witnessing, how does this idea of needing to come in the condition you are and specifically needing to be empowered by and called by the Spirit to do something, how do, would that, does that affect practically how you would witness or engage in outreach? That's the question. Well, there's a difference between if an opportunity comes to you, or if you make it your specific target to uh, go out on a mission where you, um, you know, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go and stand on that street corner and I want, I feel called to do this. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a specific target that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Then if I'm at work and somebody says, hey, why do you blah, blah, blah. And I say, well, here's why. Yeah. Okay. Now, I do not know if that at all uh, fits in with whatever she's asking. Well, I'm asking opinions, so it always fits in. Yes, I'm with Joy. Joy. That dovetails with what I was going to say. I Perfect. think about when I was growing up, and and they still do it today, but you see, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses or whoever mm-hmm. going door to door, and I feel like they believe that they are called to do that. That's mm-hmm. part of their missionary work. But I, I think that. If you're not, if you don't feel like you're filled by the Spirit, you at least need to be sound in your doctrine before you start going out and actually mm. purposely seeking to witness to people. Okay. I think, I think if you're not, then you risk, you risk losing any quote converts that you might get. Because I think you're doing that on, under your own will instead of the Spirit. Okay. Mary, you had something.
Yeah, and I think it's certainly, the way I see it, it's, it's certainly a, um, a balancing act of sorts in, in the sense of, you know, being between a, uh, a, a faith walk, for example, or being prepared and, you know, you, you, you feel called to do something. Um, it's a balance between that and specifically knowing that you're called out. Like we see here in, 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 this, in this verse in chapter 2, it's pretty specific. This is like the Holy Spirit has set them apart for, for, the, for this work. So I think it's certainly a, a balancing act uh, between those two um, and being empowered to do something. And there's also another aspect there that we see is that not only they were called out, but they were supported as well. They were supported by the, their, their, their community. It says they laid hands on them and, and sent them out and so forth, and there was an agreement. So there's, there's a lot going on here with regard to, you know, <clears throat> discerning our discerning your calling, discerning when, like with the way you, you said, Joanne, yeah, it's wonderful. I think it's pretty, like, you know, obvious when someone says, tell me about X, Y, and Z, versus, you know, is, is just something else that comes up in conversation. Is it a real opening? Is this a real door to go in? Is this the time? Is this the place? Do I have the relationship? I mean, all these kind of things. So... I mean, these are not solid, concrete answers, but I mean, other than the bigger concepts of we are to come as we're called, we, we, we want to be, our prayer to, should be to be empowered by the Spirit for things to be obvious for us, that we're not just participating in some kind of uh, routine, some kind of shtick, as it were, and so forth, um, and that we, are, that we are accountable in some way. That's why I think, you know, that we're not talking about community and covenant commitment and so forth tonight, but that's one of our values at Yeshua Tzion, and I think you can see the importance of being part of a community where you can be supported and where you can be sent out or you can be confirmed where you can you know understand that people have your best interests in mind and can say yeah I think this is certainly something that you know that you should do or, or what have you and that's why we have well, we don't have the names of we have people we pray for you know because we hear from I talk to this person I talk to that person and we encourage or suggest you know ways to talk to people so it's all part of this this idea this big idea of, of on the one hand we're strategic on the other hand it's all um, as you kind of says, bupkis, if, uh, if if it's not supported and empowered by by the spirit, so that's a very high tech word for you. But, um. Can I make a comment? Oh yes. Yeah, sure. um, I guess as you're talking, kind of the way I see it is that they were called. Like you look at the different lists, and they're called as um, you know teacher. Right. Like the role, and mm-hmm. that they were called to be um, missionaries. They were called to right. go out and laying on hands and that we do all that, Mm -hmm. but then we're also supposed to be salt and light Mm -hmm. all the time, Mm -hmm. but then like Rabbi says, also what's your, um, (coughs) I lost it, what do you always say? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Is that your, uh, not job, but your your assignment, assignment. there we go, your assignment. What is your assignment? And so I see them as kind of three, they're three. I mean, they're intertwined, but in some ways they're also different. Is this your yeah. assignment? Are you supposed to be praying for this person? Are you supposed to be sharing with this person? But at the same time, we're supposed to be living our lives so people right. come to know Yeshua. But at right. the same time, there's also the role of... Mm-hmm. So. There's lots of good things to do. There's lots of good causes. There's lots of things you might even be attracted to and interested in. But it may, may or may not be what you're supposed to be doing, if that makes sense. Um, so it's, 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 a difficult, it's, it's a difficult act sometimes to sort of balance there. Um, but tonight, as I said, we want to, we want to look at. Um, I kind of put three three items together. Really, chapter fourteen is, uh, talks about three general areas: uh, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. Um, and so, I want to at least start there. We'll see where we get. We want to start uh, in chapter fourteen, and I'd like to read the first um, 
the first seven verses. Maybe, Joy, if you have that, could you read uh, verses 1 through 7 of Acts chapter 14? Now in Iconium the same thing happened. They entered as usual into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a large number of Jewish and Greek people believed. But the Jewish people who would not believe stirred up the Gentiles to poison their minds against the brothers. How far? Oh, 7, verse 7, was it? So they stayed there a considerable time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was testifying to the message of his grace, granting signs and wonders to come about by their hands. But the population of the city split. Some were with the Jewish leaders and some were with the emissaries. Now it happened that an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jewish people, along with their rulers, to abuse and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra, Lystra? Lystra? Mm-hmm. And Derby and the surrounding countryside. There they proclaim good news. So we see here, just as we're starting off, just a few observations and talking points here. Um, right there in verse one, you know, after the we always hear about Paul. Paul's the apostle to the Gentiles. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. And again, what do we see immediately after he he tells them uh, that you know what um, we're done with you. In fact, the, the verses right before that is where they shook their feet off, and, and before that, Paul said, "We're going to go to the Gentiles." You know. Um, and right away, they're back in the synagogue. Why? Again, just to, just to reinforce, if you would not heard that before, because it was their custom. That's where he goes right away. Um, it wasn't strategic. It wasn't, and, and I mentioned last week, this was probably a, a, a local kind of threat, so to speak. But it certainly wasn't a, you know, Paul now does not talk to Jews. Um, he went to the synagogue. Um, verses 3 to 7, I find kind of as a, uh, a challenging, I put in your notes, I think, a challenging model us because I mean you see this and it says they were being uh, opposed right in fact I think it says um, they were opposed strongly and then it says therefore they stayed there and they kept kept talking you know um, they stirred up poisoned their minds against the brothers so therefore Paul and Barnes spent considerable time there speaking boldly and so forth so um, I see that as, a, as an example that in terms of instructives for us because yeah, remember we're looking at all these things as examples Again, not that we have to follow these examples, but these are examples that we can glean from in our our work of, of relating and, and walking in a, in a mile in someone's moccasins and in how we relate the, the, the gospel in our lives to people. And we see here that certainly there's an element of, uh, of bravery um, that is there. Um, there's also an element we see where they were um, where they were prudent. And I say that because, you know, it says that Obviously, they were facing opposition, yet they still spoke boldly. However, there's a time to be prudent, you know, not to be foolish. In fact, the time for them was when they thought, oh, I heard people are going to stone us. Uh, that's when they heard it. And so there's there's some prudence there that says, you know, maybe now's the time for us to stop. So, again, all these things are not just easy check, checklist kind of things because they're all, um, I believe, we have to be spiritually sensitive to, you know, when it's time, as time would say, hold them, fold them. You know, time to run, <laughs> that kind of thing. And this was the this was the time to run. Um, but we also see that they were very focused on their mission because uh, they it wasn't like they just left and gave up. They said, oh, we're going to get stoned, let's give up. They they fled to these other cities, and they continued to preach the good news. So they were again they were they were uh, they were bold, they were prudent, um, and they were focused. They were very focused in what their mission was about and what they were called to do. Any comments or thoughts on that, Mary? So, we're talking about the sensitive example. Here's a guy 
Yeah, scripture's pretty clear about being being prepared. about about Jewish people that's our heart that's our desire it's, it's a definitely a special there's something special to it that you know I mean God works in whatever way he, he wills through people but you know there is some specific things that are <clears throat> called sensitivities or whatever they're not not tricks but there's some things to be sensitive about for sure but you're right it's it's like there's no we can't say ah that you, exactly like you said I mean there's in every case this is the second case where you see where they, they, they these people want to hear more. And these people didn't want to hear more. And these people got angry. And these people, you know what I mean? It's, it's exactly, exactly right. David, um, how do you know when it's time to pull the plug? <laughs> because, I mean, if you get in a situation where, was it Timothy that was stoned? Paul was, well, we see Paul well, stoned here. Yeah. Yeah. But. Stephen, so, was, Stephen was stoned as Stephen, well. Stephen, that's what I think. So when do you know? See, if we're, if we're not you, not carrying certain things on our person, then we, we probably pull the plug a little sooner, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, this is this is, this is is discernment. This is experience. This is prayer. This is, you know, this is not the, uh, you know, a technical thing I think we can say. But, I mean, obvi- that this one's pretty obvious. You know? I mean, when you sort of heard, that I'm going to, you know, we're going to take you out and stone you. That's what that's, that's, but I think you, I think you tend to know. But this is this is a this is a case where I think discernment's important. It's hard to teach discernment, you know. Um, I have kids under twelve, and they it's just nothing. I mean, hopefully you just with age you're gonna figure things out. At this point, they don't know how to handle the stove quite the way I know how to handle the stove. You know what I mean? Just, I was gonna say that 
And that's what we're promised too, right? You know, yeah. the Holy Spirit will give you. Yeah. So any of these cases, I mean, call up the name of the people at that point in time. Get out at that station. Then it feels sense before the Lord that actually it's going to work a miracle. Yeah. And I don't need to run. And it just seems like all the different scriptures from what Timothy said, what Paul said to Timothy in Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It keeps resting in the heart. You know, God has given each of us different. So some people mm-hmm. are frankly quite good at going and talking to people with stories mm-hmm. about things, and somebody else is better in different situations. So I think the main thing is if you have a heart mm-hmm. for people to know the Lord, I think if God would put you in situations and if you are open to the Lord, you, you begin to sense, you know, this is an open to someone who doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And, you like that. Yeah. and if you're genuine and they don't sense that you look at them as a ministry, so to speak, Right. But that you genuinely care about them about the truth, and then you share your life with them, and that should be issue. Yeah. And then God can work through that. Yeah, you do. Let's. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. One more. One more comment from the rabbi. We'll move on. The other thing too, whenever in in the Book of Acts where you see uh, people speaking boldly, uh, there's always the connection with them being powered by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, being filled and empowered by the Spirit, and they spoke boldly. And so, um, when when you speak boldly, uh, presumably it is because the Holy Spirit is the one who is driving you, um, and you are sensitive and wanting to have the Spirit of God guide you. Uh, otherwise, what comes forth is you are trying to power through uh, on your own steam, which is a recipe for disaster. So it's got to be that way. Cause you, you'll see at the end of the chapter, we'll get to. I mean, the end of not in a chapter, but in verse you know, seventeen or sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. This is where Paul does get stoned, and they thought he's dead. And you know, was he dead? Was he was he raised from the dead? I mean, these are all interesting questions. But the bottom line is, he was in bad shape, and he got up, and it says actually, before he went, before he went to uh, Derby, it says he went back to the city that he just came from. Now, I'm not saying, you know, some can say, well, he was going to leave on his own terms, maybe. But clearly there was there was some discernment there, because you'd think that doesn't seem like the right thing to do. I think you'd want to head out of town right away. <laughs> it says in verse 19 that he went, you know, said, uh, after they had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Kind of interesting. But let's read, uh, Sylvie, would you mind reading um, the next sort of chunk here? It's a bigger chunk. Verses 8 to 18. Now this is an Acts, I'm sorry, it's Acts 14, 18. Now a man was sitting in distress, without strength in his feet, lame from birth, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. When Paul looked intently at him and saw that he had faith to be healed, he said with a loud voice, Stand right up on your feet. And the man leaped up and began to walk around. Now the crowd, seeing uh, what Paul had done, lifted up their voices, saying in Lycomian, the gods have become like men and come down to us. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes, which, uh, because he was the main speaker. The priests of Zeus, whose temple was before the front gate of the city, brought bowls and, and garlands. He wanted to offer a sacrifice to the people. But when the emissaries, uh, 
Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their clothes and rushed out among the crowd, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We too are human, just like you. We proclaim the good news to you, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea that is all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to go their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without a witness. He did good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling your hearts with joy and gladness. Even saying these things, they barely restrained the crowd from sacrificing to him. So here we got, <clears throat> this is kind of what Chaim talked about at the beginning. We have a very different situation than we've, we've read about so far. In the other cases, this is, you know, they're in the synagogue and, you know, they're, they're bageling with people. That means, you know, letting, you know, they know you're Jewish, you know, they know you, they know that you know that they know you're Jewish, this kind of thing. And they're just doing what they normally do. And, uh, but here we got a completely different situation, as, as Chaim said, with, with the pagan uh, group, probably out in the, kind of just in the square, in an open area, not in a synagogue. Um, so a very, you know, no, we don't have the commonalities and, and that kind of thing. So a very different um, situation. And as I mentioned, quite frankly, probably really the situation most of us find ourselves in. Not that your coworkers or your neighbors are worshiping Zeus and uh, Hermes and all that kind of thing, but probably just, you know, not a thought, but very spiritual. Obviously this mental, I mean, whatever they believed in meant a lot to them to the point where it was, uh, you know, they had animals ready to go <laughs> to sacrifice. There was a temple right there, and we could make parallels and say, ah, oh, the temple of Zeus equals the, I don't know, the, some network on TV or something. I mean, we could make all kinds of <laughs> parallel comparisons to our pagan, you know, the pagan society or something. But the truth is that this is probably much more similar to the environments that we're in more more often than not with people who the last thing on their mind is, uh, is the Lord. Um, even, you know, I, I was at a, a family function a week or so ago, and this was at a synagogue, and, and I guarantee you, you could tell, as soon as the service was over, um, we weren't talking about the, the Torah portion was Exodus uh, 34, which is, you know, the 13 attributes of God, one of the most powerful statements of God in, in, in the Bible. Yet, um, right after the service, um, it was cocktails and, uh, and, and sushi. You know, it's like there was no thought anymore to that stuff. So that's the environment that most of us are probably finding ourselves in. So Paul, you know, they, they, it's a new challenge here, as I said. Don't really have any commonality, uh, so it seems, immediately. Although we all know we have certain human commonality, which Paul does kind of go to, this general idea of general revelation and so forth. But that's after uh, what happened here first. Um, and what that is, uh, my question is, you know, what, what can you do in a situation like this, in a situation where it seems like there's no commonality? You're certainly not going to be talking about the parashah for the week. Um, what do you do in a situation like this? Well, we see in, in, in their situation, and we assume Paul was probably preaching about God at the time, even though, you know, because I think we know that. I, I, I interpret that based on the text telling us that he was looking at this guy who was listening to him talking, and the person had faith to be healed. And I don't think that it was just something Paul thought, I'm talking about the weather, and I think this guy has the faith to be healed. I'm thinking he might have been talking about healing, quite frankly, what God can do, can do and so forth. And um, on the one hand, that's a very specific language. You're going to go talk to your, your non-believing friends about God healing you. Uh, you want to get some confused looks. Um, you can do that. Um, but I think there is a universal language there in this case. You know, you're, you're not walking. This was very clear. Uh, the writer here, Luke, makes it very clear that this is a person who 
never walked. Lame from birth, he has never walked. Okay, we kind of get that. The scene is a little bit redundant, right? Um, so it's very clear what the situation is. I think a universal uh, understanding here would be, no matter what you believe, this guy in this little community who we all know always sits on the ground or is not walking, he's never walked, from, remember when he was born and he didn't walk, he got up and walked, left. Didn't you say he kind of, eh, made the old man sound, got up? No, he left right up and was leaping and so forth. So that was a very much a, um, a universal language, right? You see that happen? Uh, I think I told you all one time about a guy that I was talking to, a Jewish guy, and he, he, he wanted to not argue, but every, you know, every example I'd given in the Torah or the prophets or some, some prophecy, how it's fulfilled in Yeshua and God and all this, he would put this down and put that down. It's idolatry, da-da-da-da-da. And then he told me a story about how he had this 30 seconds where one time he felt just incredible love had overtaken his body. He felt electric. And, and what I didn't say, like a smart aleck, was show me that in the Torah because it's not there. The point is he just knew it. I mean, it was a universal kind of language. I know this. I just knew this was God. So my, my question here is um, what, what language can we speak? What kind of universal things can we do or exhibit in terms of outreach and witnessing to people that's kind of universal, that you can be a witness to, um, that's, that's going to that's gonna speak to somebody? Yes, Nancy. Right now, in these times, I think it's our peace of mind. Peace of mind? Yeah. Peace of mind. I think it works to start out by offering to pray for them. Mm. I had put love and service down for my answers, which is kind of the idea. You know, people see your love, they see your service to them, and that's you know, so be, being willing, being uh, asking someone to pray. For, if I can pray for you, I will pray for you, and that and that's great, you know, and that's that's very acceptable nowadays. Unfortunately, you see that so often, even with celebrities and stuff who you know. That's right, Italian. Uh, you know, I will pray, praying, sending up good thoughts or whatever. So certainly, that is a, a universal. In, in a good and a bad way, it's kind of universal nowadays. Any other thoughts on things that are kind of universal, universal language that's going to get through to someone? I think it's, it's uh, sometimes uh, awakening for people if you turn the other cheek instead of, mm. because today you keep hearing in the news, you know, we hit back twice as hard. And, and if you calmly, you can still address the issue uh, and debate and, right. and that kind of thing, but you don't have to, you don't have to hit them and knock them down. <laughs> You know, one of the most incredible things I've always thought, or that I, I, I continue to say, that I think is amazing about Yeshua, yes, he, the, the suffering, the, the, the death he died and so forth, um, but not opening his mouth, not defending himself, you know, not verbally. To me, that's one of the hardest things, you know. If someone says something, you know, any, you know, uh, oh, you're a minute late, immediately I'm going to go to defending why I was late or, or what it, whatever it is, you know. Or you look a little slow today. Or whatever it is, we immediately, if you, if you observe yourself, at least for me, the littlest things you want to defend, you know. And so I think that's a big one, turning the other cheek and not, not wanting to hit back twice as hard. That's an amazing uh, universal language. It may, it may be it, it comes to someone later that, wow, you didn't even fight me on that. Yes, Mary? Well, I'm also thinking, going back to That's describe empathy. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a big one, because usually it's let me let me 
Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question, just so I can. As you're talking, I'm thinking about what I'm going to say. You know, right. about me. But yeah, it's very different. Like, you know, just So something simple that most it's, that's universal that probably anyone can do is, is being empathetic. That's that's for sure. Yes, Paul. I've watched Mary do that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've run into her places. Like, remember Kaiser? Mm. And she just stopped and she prays mm. and she really listens to mm. people and she picks up on kind of where they're at mm. and then she's able to bring it back to Yeshua and she has a real unique ability to do that. I've watched her do it multiple. Well, let me um, let me suggest a few other things um, that I think that came to me as, as kind of what I think might be kind of universal language type of things um, that you may or may not have thought of. I mentioned love and, and service that can be praying for somebody, but it also you know could be helping as a simple service to people. But how about this one? Um, success in your life. I think the reality is my point is that not, I'm not saying strive for success at all costs. What I'm saying is success, success uh, gets attention from people. And it's a platform. And understanding your success, not in a sense of I've done this and that, but realize that you know being a successful person is a good thing. If you're a believer in, in terms of witnessing and outreach to a person, I think that's a universal language, unfortunately, that a lot of people value. Um, being a hardworking person. Whatever you do to be a, to be known as a, a hardworking person, uh, to be an accountable person, you know, like oh, I'm going to send you an email with a link for something or other. Well, guess what? You better do. You better send them that link, you know, and be an accountable person that you're going to do do something. To be reliable, you know, when you're going to show up somewhere, or you say you're going to help with something, the best of your ability, barring any emergencies, you, you show up. You show up. You show up on time or early or whatever to, to do what you're going to say. You're reliable in that sense. Um, these are all things I think are universal uh, that, that in terms um, that speak to your overall reputation as a person. I think your reputation is very important. Uh, it's you know, something that's very hard to, I mean, it takes time to establish, and it's very hard to get back if you, uh, if you, if you lose it, you know, very hard. You can see that with people in, you know, in power and politics, all kinds of things. I mean, it's very hard. But I think these are, these are things uh, if we bring it down to this level, that are very universal in their um, in their appeal, in their attention getting. You know that you want to be known as a as a hardworking, reliable, accountable person. And guess what? Then then you then you have a platform to say maybe why are you doing that? Because I work as unto the Lord. And, you know, I mean, you can give your reasons for why 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 you're you're accountable. Because it's not a matter of just I'm trying to look good in front of you. I feel like you know everything is uncovered and laid bare before someone else to whom I must give account. And so I think that's that's an important part of of witnessing. It's an important part of witnessing. Um, we see. Does anyone have a comment about that? I don't need just to run right on. But stimulate any thoughts from anyone? I think giving oh. gifts is, is hard. It's the heart. Giving and gifts, you said. Giving gifts. Uh-huh. Like Active love, and it touches their heart, and you can um, kind of see their heart. Yeah. Try to come 
I remember a, buddy, a guy used to go to this and he gave me an ice cream scoop one time. You know, this guy was this wealthy doctor. He could have given me a, you know, a Rolex probably, but he gave me an ice cream scoop. Because I had mentioned something. Like, I saw the one at his house, and I liked it. And he remembered like a year later. It made me realize he remembered me, he thought about it, and he got me this, you know, $3 ice cream scoop. I, I think it's great. So anyways, Maurice? said before, uh, you want to be transparent with people, but you don't have to be naked. So keep that in mind. So there's a limit to, you know, empathetic and share and so forth, but yeah, you want to be naked with them. Um, I want to point out here that at the beginning, you know, when, when Paul uh, is, is talking there in, in verse 9, it says that Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed. That's, a, that's such a loaded um, statement, I think. I think there's a lot in there that I'd love to have answered, quite frankly. Um, I think this, again, points to one of these, these characteristics that we need to have that is not just an easy thing to check off, and that's having the discernment to know where people are spiritually or where they are in general. That's huge. How did Paul know that? How did he know he had the faith? I mean, you know, because I, mean, I don't know about you, sometimes someone might be talking about a very uh, a polar opposite political view, for instance, that I might have, and I'm just going, I'm just listening, you know. And the last thing that you probably would think is that I am completely opposed to what you're saying. You know, somehow Paul knew that this person uh, had the faith to be healed. And I think that having that faith, having, I'm mean, sorry, having that discernment to know where people are spiritually uh, is very important. And to me, that's another, that's a whole other level of being sensitive to the Spirit's leading in your life. And then in the need to be, again, called and empowered by the Spirit, other than just kind of doing it on your own, as Heim said. Um, in other words, it's not about, as I said before, it's not about catchphrases and things like that. But there's a, there was certainly here we see a level of um, spiritual discernment that was going on. Um, and out of that whole crowd of people that were in front of the Zeus temple, there was something different about this particular person. So there had to be some discernment to see who's on the same wavelength, who's on the same page with me. And again, it might be a timing issue that yeah, now is not the time to, to talk to that person. David? Yes, ma'am. I underline that. close or similar is, is it Acts 3, I believe, when they're in the, in the guys outside, the other lame guys outside there, they looked intently at him, mm-hmm. but it was different. It, it didn't, doesn't so much say that I understand that you have the, the I don't discern it. Now, maybe unspoken, it's an argument from silence that, that they knew at that point that this, that this person on the mat did have the, the faith to do it, but it, it does say he looked intently at him, but not exactly the same language, not that I know of and, either. And I guess the reason that speaks to me is because what I was citing about, you know, though your faith has made you well, type yeah. thing. It seemed like Yeshua or whoever targeted somebody, but it was just 
because he wanted to do a nice thing for him and heal right. him, you know. Right. Whereas here, it seems like he like pointed a laser at this guy because he knew. Yeah. It's like one of these things. I see you. Yeah. You see me. Things. <laughs> He was very focused, obviously, as he's speaking to this crowd. We don't know how big the crowd was. We certainly know what type of crowd it was in one sense. But, yeah, this was this took some discernment. Maybe, was the guy right in front of him? Was the guy, you don't even know. Clearly something, I think, outside of his own his self had to have directed him to, to this, you know. Um, and what about the rest of the stars? Look at, when we look at the rest of, of what, what was read, um, would you like to see this kind of result in your ministry? I mean, in terms of, you know, someone that's uh, lame walking. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about all kinds of other things. Um, I think you'd like to see that, right? Miraculous healing. This man was known to everybody. Again, we don't know how old he was. They all, we all, But we do know that everyone knew he never walked before. Um, a few things about, about this result and the response from, from, from the people. Um, number one is how will you, how would you react to success in your outreach efforts or in your trying to reach people or, you know, ascertain where people are. Are you going to be surprised when when somebody uh, is receptive to your message? <laughs> are you going to be shocked and not know what to do next, assuming that everybody's, you know, they're not thinking about God, that, you know, and so forth. How are you going to react to, uh, to success, you know? I think you should think about that because uh, I think we, we, if we're doing – we're doing things by the Spirit, we should expect there to be times of success. Sometimes it seems like, oh, we've got one person came to the Lord, two people came to the Lord this year, this last ten years or whatever, and we tend to maybe fall into that lull of expecting it, but also need to think of how we're going to deal with success, how we're going to deal with growth, how we're going to deal with all of these things. Um, and then on top of that, even when we do have that success, we see in the text here that clearly the people didn't quite get it. They assumed that they were seeing Zeus and Hermes. <laughs> So how will you deal with other people misunderstanding? How will you, you know, deal with people who, who see the peace in your life or the fact that you've been through struggles or whatever it might be? How will, will you deal with people writing that off as something else entirely? They're not going to say, "Well, you're you're doing you're you're successful in your career, or you got this new job, or or your 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 health is good, or you have a good relationship with your wife." That's all because you're a Zeus. They're not going to say it that way, but they're going to say they may have some other explanation as to why it is. Well, you know, when, when Yeshua cast out the demons and then the Pharisees and whoever else was there accused him of being unsafe. Uh-huh, yeah. He's like a house divided against itself. Yeah. He, he didn't appeal to them along the lines of, I'm, I'm God's son. Right. He just was very logical about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that could be a way, a way to do it. I mean, there's going to be some things that just defy logic. Of course, but again, I'm, I'm not looking. You know, you don't have to answer this right this right away. But consider that you know you may have some success, and then you may have some misunderstanding about you know why this person such such happened. But we know there's a time for sowing, there's a time for reaping. One waters, one one reaps, and so forth. Yeah, Nancy. I don't see it as success. Uh, I mean, yes, the man was healed. Uh, That's successful. But it sounds like everybody else totally missed the message. And and so he had to restate the message in simple, yeah. So they could realize that he wasn't Hermes. Yeah. And keep keep in mind that even you know, there's going to be a level of, of that. I mean, I think it's just it is unfortunately the natural response to think. I mean, it, it takes work to be humble. You've heard people say that before. Well, I think 
you know, out of all my qualities, I think humility is probably my best one. You've probably heard that kind of thing before. You know, it's, it's not necessarily something you can, can work on, but on the other hand, I think we need to be prepared and, and, and be ready to work on it if necessary. Um, because in, in this case, I mean, I think these guys clearly were, they weren't acting, they rent their clothes, and this is when now then Paul gets up and gives more of a, of a general revelation speech of, look, we're nobody, we're like you, we wait for the rain, we, we, we don't know who made the heavens, we know who made the heavens and the earth too, and it wasn't us, and they, they, they did that kind of thing, um, but they certainly, they, they were humbling, but um, the fact is, is that uh, it might come, it might come through some other means anyways, in terms of, like, you can try to humble yourself, the fact is, you might be humbled, and you might be humbled by outside circumstances, like these guys. I think were in a sense. They were trying to be good. They were trying to do the right thing, but still, their 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 uh, their reward was once again. Um, Paul gets stoned and left for dead. <laughs> That's that was kind of the reward. I think that um, well, you you all know probably anyway, but you know, pagans they're not going to have a, any life in them to understand anything spiritual. Unless the Spirit of God draws them and reveals to them, and you just see it in the world so clear now that you know they can't relate to um, that life, mm. and, and they're actually dead. Because unless the Lord, the Spirit of God, uh, draws and shows them. Yeah. Because these were very logical arguments, very clearly, and whether they whether it got through or not, we don't know. Because things kind of blew up after that. In fact, let's. Uh, um, Pauline, would you read? Um, we'll just we'll, we'll just pick up where we left off, just to kind of cover it. You know, I already talked about. It. Let's just finish off the the chap, uh, not the whole chapter. Let's do verses 19 to 23, if you would. When Jewish people came from Antioch and Iconium, and after they won the crowd over, after they won the crowd over and stoned Paul. They were dragging him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples surrounded him, he got up and went back into the city. On the next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. After proclaiming the good news to the city and making many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. They were strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to persevere in faith and saying, It is through many persecutions that we must enter the kingdom of God. Oh, is that 20? Just finish the yeah, 23. When they had handpicked elders for them in every community and prayed with fasting, they placed them in the care of the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. So I'll go through these last things a little quickly because we're running a little short there. But as we see, I mentioned before, they they um, they circled back. They re-entered the places where they had faced opposition and stoning. Okay, this kind of goes back to some of the things we talked about before. They were focused. They were prudent, but they also were focused. They weren't. They weren't deterred in this case. Um, I think verse 23 uh, is some good advice for all of us to to um, absorb, if you will. Specifically, the advice. Uh, let me see here. So Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each each community with prayer and fasting. Committed them to the Lord. That's the part I want to zero in. Committing them to the Lord. I think that's good advice for us to keep in mind. Um, that no one belongs to us, us, and no one belongs to Yeshua Tzion. Um, they belong to the Lord, and we entrust them to the Lord. It's important to remember because practically in, the, in a community like ours, and any community really, it's sometimes more visible because of our size, but uh, people come and go, and we, we can get attached to people, and when they 
come, we're excited. When they go, we get hurt. You know, we feel bad, and we we decide we don't want to trust someone in the future. We want to be careful in the future of getting too close and so forth. But again, remember, the good advice there is that we commit um, commit people to the Lord, and they're the Lord's, and they're not ours. Um, from these journeys, this this Lystra Derby, these different places, I want to look at one, one final place in Scripture as, as we finish up here, and that's over in 2 Timothy. And many of us are familiar with, with uh, the ending of what I'm going to read. Um, this is 2 Timothy chapter 3. I kind of want to look at some, some lessons learned from all of this stuff. We talked about some lessons that I kind of pulled out here. But let's see the lessons that uh, Paul says he learned. And um, 2 Timothy, uh, I don't know what my, that's a crazy looking reference I gave you in your notes. I apologize. I, I think that's supposed to be 1 through 17. It says 10 colon, it says 3 colon 10 colon 17. That's in the, that's in the Dave Bible. So that's not, uh, that's, that's a little bit of a, a mess up there. Unless yours says 1 through 17, because that's actually what it, uh, I think what, what I want to... You want 10 to 17. Maybe I want 10 to 17. Maybe that's I just missed my dash, yes. 10 to 17. Thank you, Steve. So it says, you, however, know all about my teaching. This is Paul talking. He says, my way of life. Okay, my way of life. That's walking the way, the way I live out my life. My purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. And what kind of sufferings? He says, well, the kind of things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, in Lystra, the persecution I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in the Messiah Yeshua will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because, or some of your translations might say have, have, have assurance in or, have, or assured of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in the Messiah, Yeshua. And then the one we all know, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the person of God, man or woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So these are the lessons, I put here, these are the lessons that Paul learned and that we can learn from what he experienced as he witnessed in these different stories we've been looking at in Acts. We saw, he says, you know, what, what happened to me in Antioch? What happened in Antioch? Uh, he, got kicked, he, he got kicked out of town. We see. Uh, what happened at Iconium? Well, he fled due to a threatened stoning. But what happened at Lystra? He was possibly killed, or close to being killed at least. Certainly people thought he was dead. Um, and there are others here, but Paul really mentions just these, as I said. But the lessons, the lessons from all of these, is he says that by following his purpose, his faith, his manner of life, that it is assumed that there will be persecution. Now, we don't invite persecution. We don't, we don't pray for persecution. But there's going to be persecution. Why? Not because God wills it or God wants to, to, to do that. God works through those things. But it says there that there will be evil people. People that want to you know, piggyback, I said, in a, in a negative way off of your success and your victorious living maybe. To, to there, There's going to be evil people. But regardless, he says, that you should continue in the things that you are assured of. Or the things, I forgot what this translation said, uh, the things that you... Um, Continue in what you have learned and what you have become convinced of. I think assured is a, is a better way to say it. Um, and what are those things that we're assured of in life? And I'll, I'll tell you my answers because we're running short on time. But I think we're assured of several things in, in this life. We are assured of death, probably, unless the Lord comes back. We're assured of uh, paying taxes, most likely. We're assured of paying more taxes, maybe even after you're dead. 
Um, we're assured of paying expenses along the way. Um, but as Chaim says, you know, we know who God is and we know who God isn't. That's what we're assured of. Uh, we know two things. We know there's a God and we know that we're not him. Hopefully you know those two things. Um, but what we are ultimately assured of is um, 2 Timothy 3.15, that we are assured of the Holy Scriptures. Um, and that is, again, that's the context of 2 Timothy 3.16, that the purpose of the Scriptures are for you to be able to lean on them in times of persecution, in times of deception, in times of evil, uh, in times of, of, of outreach, and in times that you're doing these things. Um, the Scriptures are the thing that we can be assured of. So I know you may have some questions and comments, but I'd like to close in prayer first. We can we can talk about them maybe after so that we can officially finish because we're about a minute or so after time here. So, um, Art, would you mind closing us in prayer? Sure. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the teaching tonight. We ask that you go with us as we go our individual ways. And we ask for your Holy Spirit protect us and guide us. In the name of your Son, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.